0: Welcome back to the FAM Lab. It's Barrett, just checking in on you before we get started with another great episode from Midnight Oil on Harding University's campus. You're gonna be hearing from Travis McNeil, who's the head of the psychology department and a psychology professor at Harding University. He is also the camp director for Camp Dakota in uh, Arkansas, somewhere north of Searcy there. And we loved this conversation with Travis on resiliency and some of the things that have come from that. And so, uh, we will not take too much of your time, but just wanted to tell you, uh, to rate, review, and subscribe to the fam Lab podcast. You can follow us on iTunes and Stitcher, uh, share on Facebook. You can also join our Facebook group or page, uh, and follow us there so that you can know when big things are happening with the fam lab podcast. We have several uh, new episodes recorded, lined up, ready to come out and a lot of great ideas for the remainder of season two and season three. So without further ado, listen to our conversation with Travis McNeil. Hey, welcome back to the fam lab. You just heard our intro and we are with Dr. Travis McNeil, a good friend uh, of mine and also of the fam lab. So we appreciate you taking the time. Dr. McNeil, we'll call you Travis from now on. If that helps,
1: Yes, Travis is really good. Perfect.
0: So we have already had some, uh, great podcasts, great content from the Kibo room here at midnight oil on Harding university's campus. Uh, and we're continuing our conversation and we're talking about, uh, resiliency. And one way that that shows up in my life is through a children's show called Daniel tiger they sing a song you gotta solve the problem yourself you gotta solve the problem yourself and that teaches in a dumb song uh problem solving and resiliency uh and something that we're already teaching bear hey you gotta kind of do this certain things on your own um but resiliency is kind of uh, a tough thing almost an abstract thing so let's just start with uh What is it and uh, how does it show up and manifest itself in different uh, students lives and so you work with college students and you work with uh, campers that are high school and middle school and elementary age and so you see a lot of uh, students at different ages and different resiliency levels. So what is resiliency and how do you see that show up in students.
1: It certainly shows up in different ways, depending on who you're talking about. But I think at its core, uh, resiliency is just bouncing back in the face of or after adversity, uh, being able to sort of pick yourself back up and say, hey, you know, this was really bad. I I failed. I I bombed my test. I, I did a terrible job at this. Uh, in this talent show, uh, but that's okay. I'm, I'm going to be okay. And being able to, to bounce back and uh, overcome those challenges is, is what it's all about. Uh, easier said than done sometimes, but um, certainly um, very important for kids to learn. Um, that's challenging because we live in a world today where we are so comfortable And uh, it's hard to move beyond the comforts of our our daily lives. We have have such instant gratification. We have anything we want. A television show is at our fingertips, and we can stream the whole series uh, growing up. We had to wait, you know, a week for the next episode of Knight Rider or whatever, Dukes of Hazard. right? I had, to wait, I had to wait a week to see what was going to happen, and we don't have that anymore. We have a very comfortable and uh, on-demand lifestyle that we experience now. And so teaching kids to be able to bounce back when things are difficult or uncomfortable is, is really important.
0: You definitely hit on a lot of uh, our key words that have to be part of this conversation with facing adversity um, when you inevitably fail. Um, you know, there's uh, some kind of a popular idea now is like, you know, how are these kids going to know how to, to fail when they've been given participation trophies? And it's like, well, there's going to be failure. There's going to be adversity. Uh, there's going to be discomfort. And so how do we, you know, deal with that? And that's a, a big part of this conversation. But uh, also joining uh, me and Travis in this conversation are Mikey and Matt. Uh, and so I know Mikey has a big list of uh, questions and some topics uh, regarding this
2: well one of the things I've been thinking about is that it seems like some people and you see it even in children that some kids are just more resilient than others and you, it makes me wonder if it's just part of personality or if it's always something that is learned and is resiliency something that we can intentionally teach our kids
1: I think absolutely the answer to that question is yes. I do think people are born, some people are born with a greater disposition to be resilient and it comes more naturally, but I definitely think that this is a skill and we should think of it as a skill that we can teach children. Uh, some of the, the biggest research on resiliency right now is happening at the University of Pennsylvania. They have what's called the Penn Resiliency Project and what's come out of that is training sessions uh, for late elementary and early middle school kids. Uh, they go in and they will spend several weeks um, teaching them skills that help them develop the capacity for resiliency. And so I think if you're a parent and your child is not bouncing back and handling adversity well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't panic. Um, there are skills that children can learn that can definitely help them to be overcomers, that be more resilient in, in response to these challenges. Um, what that training out of pen focuses on is there's, there's a model by a psychologist, Albert Ellis, you guys invited a psychologist on the on the show, so I'm sorry, but here we go. Uh, there's a there's a model out there by a psychologist by the name of Albert Ellis, and it's been around for decades now. But he says that what happens to us happens in, in an ABC kind of sequence. There is a, um, an action, or um, maybe some adverse experience, and then there are our beliefs about that, and then there are the consequences. And he says, and what the researchers at Penn are really focusing on is taking that middle part, the B, the beliefs. What beliefs do your child does your child have about this experience? Uh, many times, children have unrealistic beliefs. Uh, they do poorly on a math test, and they say, I'm stupid. Well, that's not a reasonable belief, but if that's the belief that follows the math test, then... It's going to impact their self-esteem. It's going to impact their motivation in school. It's going to impact all kinds of things. So there are a lot of negative consequences. And what the researchers at Penn have really focused on is we've got to train children to argue well with themselves. First, recognize your thought. What do you think is happening when you have this adverse experience? What beliefs are coming to your mind? Uh, it's hard for a child to imagine that everything that they think is is not true, but we know that that's the case, right? Don't believe everything that you think. Um, but children need to be trained that their thoughts may not be correct and that they can actually argue with themselves. Am I really stupid? Well, I did well on this other test last week. And... I really like Sudoku and I do well on those puzzles and, you know, I've, can't, I've conquered 20 some odd levels of Super Mario World and that's a really complicated challenge. And so children are, are taught in their training sessions to try to learn to think about how you think about the world, which it's amazing that we can even do that. Uh, that's what's known as metacognition, thinking about how you're thinking. But think about how you're thinking about the world and then start to challenge those thoughts um, and they've had pretty good success they're seeing uh, greater resiliency and adaptability in children when they teach them to, to think through their cognitive response to a challenge
0: well I, and i jenna my wife is a social worker and she works with mental health and you know in that field as well and one of the biggest you know concerns she has for like children in the next generation struggling with you know anxiety and depression is learning to cope with adversity and failure and um, dealing with risk, you know, you brought up the, or maybe I mentally brought it up, but risk and uh, all these things of, uh, you know, just training your child to deal with um, taking risks and thinking about thinking through the risk taking, you know, mentality. Uh, And, you know, maybe that is one reason that we struggle with those things. And we struggle with uncomfort and discomfort uh, is because of, Um, this kind of risk adverse, you know, life that we're living and that sort of thing. Um, so all good thoughts, man, that's throwing in some, some studies.
2: I love that. And I love that idea of processing with your kids, what is happening in the moment and asking those questions. Because I think we, even as adults, we start to think of questions as accusatory or judgmental just by their nature. But if we can teach kids that asking yourself questions, doesn't mean you're already making a predetermined judgment on that. You can really try to work through it and figure it out. And helping your kids know that when you're asking them questions, it's not always because you have the answer in mind, but you're really talking through what they've thought through. Um, Another thing I think we do as parents a lot is try to praise our kids into confidence and tell them constantly how great they are and have words, you know, but can you praise so much that it affects their resiliency?
1: I'm a big fan of praising, praising our children. I think that's great. We want them to develop self-esteem. We want them to like themselves. Uh, The other thing that we want them to do is to develop self-efficacy, which is different from self-esteem and it's, it's confidence in your ability to do something right. And, And I think one of the things that we must do if children are going to be resilient is we have to make them believe that they have skills. Um, Praising your children without specificity, I think, can be sort of empty. And I think as they get older, children will recognize that. Um, We appreciate compliments the most when they're specific. You make really great chocolate chip cookies, or I can't believe you just um, won that tennis match. You played really well, right? Uh, when When we talk to our children and praise them, I think where we can benefit them the most is helping them see skills that they have. You know, you're, you're a really good, loyal friend. I appreciate the way you tried to include this person when your friends were trying to leave them out. And, and if they start to perceive that they have skills, um, then those skills can foster resiliency. Uh, I, I'm not sure if we can praise them too much, but I think that hollow and nonspecific praise is not as valuable to our kids' growth as helping them see the things that they're really good at, uh, the specific skills that they have, the specific abilities and talents that they possess that will resonate with them when they hear it. You know, if I, if I say you're a really good tennis player and they've just gone out and lost three tennis matches, they're, they're going to know that I'm just, you know, Saying things to try to make them feel good, uh, but if I think that I'm a really good baker and you you compliment my cookies, then then I'm probably going to feel pretty good about that. So, um, finding things that are real specific can help them grow their sense of competence, their sense of self-efficacy, and I think that's where we foster resiliency.
3: You mentioned already, you know, a little bit of the nuances about you know resiliency when it comes to you know, objectives or performance, and then that kind of relational uh, resiliency. Um, but I was just trying to think. You know, as a you know, as an adult, if I may be wanting to teach my kids about resiliency, do I first need to learn how to recognize that own self-talk and my own response to things? Like, you know, maybe just start with me and 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 maybe just give me what are some things I should look for to be you know resilient does that
1: make sense? Absolutely I think that's a skill we can all benefit from I mean learning how to talk to yourself in a healthy way is benefit our country is facing an epidemic of anxiety and depression and one of the reasons that those things occur is because the the way that people talk to themselves and think about themselves is unhealthy and counterproductive. They will have a bad experience, which we all will, but then they'll say, I'm, I'm a terrible person, I'm no good, nobody likes me. They will use broad generalizations. Uh, and I think we have to learn to be a little bit more analytical in our self-talk. Um, the other thing I think that's important with our children is just being reflective on what we want to achieve long-term with them. Uh, we, we, I think, tend to respond to our children with short-term thinking, oh, you're going you're gonna to really hurt if, if I don't comfort you around this specific failure or, or challenge or adversity that you faced. And so I really want to shore you up in this moment. However, if I'm thinking long-term with my child and how I want to raise my child, I might think, oh, you're, you're facing a real struggle here. I can kind of carry you through this struggle or i can let you walk yourself through this struggle with me beside you and help you see that you're able to manage it um, My daughter right now is playing volleyball and it's her first year to ever play volleyball and as she began the season she was starting on the team and she was really excited and her confidence was building and as the season has moved forward she's no longer starting she's one of the first one or two off the bench and as a parent my initial inclination was we're going to go out in the backyard every day we're going to practice I'm going to look at what you're doing I'm going to teach you I'm going to fix it I'm going to make this better for you Uh, and there's probably some value in that long term in her life there's probably more value for her to sit on the bench for her to try to figure out what's going on for her to uh, try to work her way back into a starting position because If she is able to deal with this challenge that has arisen in her life, and obviously this is a relatively small challenge in the big picture, right? But if she's able to deal with this, then when bigger challenges come later, she's going to have more confidence. When she's older and I'm not there to take her out in the backyard and help her figure out how to fix this, then she's going to have some confidence and experience to build on. I think we're often a bit too quick to rescue our children. and they don't have to deal with overcoming the challenges on their own. And I think a lot of that goes to thinking about not only how I'm dealing with adversity, what thoughts am I having in response? What am I modeling for my children? But what are the long-term outcomes that I really want as a parent for my child?
0: It's one of my favorite quotes is what you're speaking into. I wish I knew who said it. I should learn it at this point who said this. But preparing your child for the road, not the road for your child. And it works nicely with our road family ministry theme. But, um, you know, and it ties and goes hand in hand with if you're preparing them uh, for, you know, risk and adversity and failure. And you're preparing them to work through it. And you're offering uh, not solutions, but you're offering a a path to understanding or you're offering, you know, steps for them to resolve it. You're not saying, here's what we're going to do, or here's how you solve it, or, you know, here's your top three options instead of offering that, but offering a, Hey, I'm like you were saying, I'm beside you. We're in this together. Um, you know, offering that, um, I think it, you know, with volleyball or with whatever it is, um, you know, parallels with, okay, when you come across questions in your faith and you come across struggles of your faith, um, you know, are you going to lean on other people to carry you through this, or prepare you, or Because ultimately, that does not work, and we see that show up a lot in, uh, you know, some of, you know, kids in youth group, kids when they get to college, kids, you know, and teens and students when their faith is challenged, uh, they don't know how to figure it out without going to somebody else, and that's great, and they should, and we tell them to go to other people and rely on other people to help them in their faith. Um, but ultimately there is a time where they need to um, you know turn inward and kind of ask themselves the tough questions do the studying themselves and and figure out where they're at as well so I appreciate you speaking into that as well.
1: It's true our our children learn from experience I mean we all we all know that Um, it's sometimes we shape those experiences so much that we don't Leave them with a broad array of experiences, which which handicaps them a little bit. Barrett, you were talking earlier about taking risk. I think we need to let our children. We we are so aware of the dangers in the society that we're in. We have so much access to media, and we see the news clips with the person who, uh, the little kid who dies from a bike accident because he didn't have his helmet on, and then we're all like, okay, I'm getting you, I'm getting you a helmet, I'm getting you elbow pads, I'm getting you knee. But you know, the precautions are good, but we need to let our children take a risk and and fall down sometimes. Otherwise they they never learn how to pick themselves up and we can't always be there to do that for them.
2: That's so true and I I really appreciate what you said earlier about uh, considering the long-term goals because I think in our society where everything is so automated and we do have that instant gratification our goals tend to be happiness rather than happiness being a side effect of true accomplishment and that's that's really a challenge for parents too. Um, we've talked a lot about how resilience grows from adversity and from reacting to some of those bad things that come up. But what what experiences could parents facilitate for their kids to help them develop this this skill of resiliency? How can we be proactive?
1: I think I think we can be over involved in extracurricular activities, but I think extracurricular activities are a great way for our kids to, to learn that. Uh, learning, trying to pick up an instrument and learn it takes a lot of dedication. It takes practice. It takes commitment. Uh, if you want to be a good basketball player, you've got to get out on the court day after day, and you've got to practice dribbling with your left hand as well as your right hand, and you've got to shoot a lot of layups and free throws to be good at it. Um, I think those kinds of experiences where our kids are forced to spend time you know, everybody everybody loves Friday nights when they're on the football team because that's game day, but nobody really enjoys two-a-days in August. But if your kid will suffer through two-a-days in August, um, it, it's good for them, right? Because they're working hard, they're practicing, they're trying to accomplish something. Um, and we all know that we have the greatest sense of accomplishment for those things that we've really spent a lot of time working hard on, that we've devoted a lot of effort to. Um, We wanna create opportunities for our kids to work hard in the long term to accomplish something. Uh, When they do that, they're able to see the benefits of the hard work, the practice, the dedication, their effort, and that gives them that sense of efficacy that we were talking about earlier, the confidence that I I can do this, even if it's a long road, even if it's a hard road. I can do this, and it 's going to pay off. The hard work is going to pay off, so I think experiences like that are can be really beneficial. Unfortunately, sometimes we overcrowd our lives with them. I think we have to be selective about that, but challenging our kids to to take on some of the things that don 't come easily or naturally for them and let them walk the road of of learning and overcoming the challenge is very beneficial. We
3: have parents listening that have you know, elementary school students are younger and then middle schoolers and high schoolers. Are there any things that initially come to mind as like these are maybe some like developmental like touch points when it comes to resiliency or do you think that happens at, I'm sure there's some nuance around it happening at different ages for different people, but are there some things that our parents should look for along the development timeline?
1: Well, obviously, we have to give our kids room to grow up and develop the, you know, what we're talking about is consistency over time. And we have to allow our kids the room to grow up. We can't expect very young children to stick to anything too long. And so I think that a lot of early childhood is about exploring You know, trying a lot of different things and figuring out what do I have a passion for, what really does keep my interest and attention, uh, what do I like doing. And and certainly there are some parents that, you know, start at a young age and make their child take piano and make them take it for years. And um, there's probably some value in that. But I think that we have to allow children to. Be a bit distractible and jump from one thing to the next when they're young and then as they get older and have increasing capacities and especially middle school to really put forth long term effort to see the possible long term goals to think it through to the end. you know, children at a very young age just aren't really capable of the attention span, of seeing the possible outcomes that they haven't yet experienced, right? Because cognitively they're not capable of those ways of thinking quite yet. And so I think too soon in elementary school and and we might um, expect too much of them. So I think exploration, learning, uh, trying a lot of things is good in elementary school. Um, Then as we get to middle school I think it's time to to challenge our kids to stick to something. If, you know, if you start a season of football and you're on the bench and not playing a minute, I, I'm not going to let you quit. You're going to finish this season. You're going to finish what you started. You're going to learn that you can ride this out. And at that point, they're old enough to benefit from that and understand the reasoning behind it. So I think those kinds of considerations are important. And I, I don't think we should press children too much when they're little beyond what they're capable of really benefiting from.
0: Believe it or not, that's time for this episode. I feel like we flew through it, and uh, I know we're friends, but I would want to have you back to talk about probably this again and lots of other stuff, but uh, what a topic. Thank you for taking the time. We do kind of end with one of the same questions with all of our guests, um, and this is kind of like your time to plug whatever you have going on, I guess. But what advice do you have for um, our audience, mostly parents, Um, What advice would you give parents just right now? Um, It can be about this topic. It can be something that you have experienced as a parent, uh, college professor, camp counselor. Um, Just what is fresh on your mind? um, Something that you're passionate about? What is some of your go-to parental advice?
1: Wow, that's a really broad question, (laughs) Barry. And as I was (laughs) dipping into it, I
0: was like, also, people that listen to this have heard that question asked in a thousand ways. And have heard it uh, and they're like yeah Barrett he knows what it is get to it just ask for parental advice but
1: I I think one of the things that most of us as parents including myself don't do well enough for our children is to um, really help them you know a large part of adolescence and the teen life experience is figuring out who you are and I feel like a lot of a lot of older teens have anxiety because they haven't mapped that out yet and don't really get who they are I feel like that teens are fascinated with tattoos because that's part of their journey at the moment. A tattoo says, I'm putting this on my body permanently because I've figured out that this is really a part of who I am. You know, people in their 50s and 60s may go get tattoos, but they're not as excited about it oftentimes as teenagers because identity, right? This is part of identity. Uh, I think one of the biggest gifts we can give our children is to help them in their teenage years To really develop their sense of who God created them to be. Here is who I see you being. You're really good at this part of being a friend. You're really good at this part of school. Uh, You have some real talents in working with little children in the nursery or whatever it is, but help them by specifically identifying and naming uh, the Qualities that you see that define who they are, because that's really what they're trying to figure out. And I think we can we can guide them. We were talking about the cognitive stuff earlier, and we've got to guide them through being able to argue with themselves and see things different. We've also got to guide them. Their brains are are still developing, and they're just not capable of some of the things that we're capable of as adults. If we can guide them to seeing themselves accurately, objectively, correctly, and then if we can love them, knowing exactly who they are, where they recognize that we know exactly who they are, both of those things will really help. I think that they'll get it. I also feel that they'll feel accepted and loved and valued for who they are. And all that is great for their sense of identity and self-esteem and all those good things that we look for as we try to raise our kids.
0: Despite. A really hard question, great answer. Thank you. You did a good job. <laughs> Thank you. And we appreciate you, again, taking the time, having a good time with us, having a good conversation with us, dealing with the A.C. clicking on and the coffee being smashed and grounded in the background. All around good conversation. Great stuff. Anything from you guys? Thank
3: you so much Thank for being you. with us. We really appreciate
1: it. Enjoyed being with you guys. It was an honor to be asked. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet.
0: Hope you enjoyed that conversation with yours truly Travis McNeil from Hardy university, Mikey and Matt from the fam lab as well. We are back in the OG fam lab here in Plano, Texas. I have Roslyn and Kyle in the studio with me, Travis helping behind the computer as Kyle likes to say, and we appreciate you guys listening. Hope you enjoyed that Uh, super helpful conversation surrounding resiliency. Um, I loved how Travis ended that talking about the things that were said in that conversation really help form uh, your child's personality, their identity, uh, which are some of the biggest topics that we get asked about in family ministry. Uh, My child's struggling with uh, a personality thing, you know, (laughs) fill in the blank. My child is struggling with their identity. Well, what does that mean? That's a huge idea. And I think some of the things that we talked about uh, in this resiliency conversation, a word that's not as popular, uh, surrounded those things. So let's get into uh, a quick uh, conversation, kind of wrapping that up. Uh, I know Roslyn has a phone full of notes. So Roslyn, what did you think of our
4: conversation? I thought it was a great conversation, really. It stands on its own. Yeah. It's, there's really not a whole lot more, I think, to add sure. to the conversation. Travis made so many good thoughts, um, so many comments. I love the idea of being of resiliency being a skill that we can all learn. Right. Not just kids, because I'm thinking as parents, mm-hmm. wow, we need to continue to try to be resilient. And you know, we can't give up when our kids have issues. Mm-hmm. We have to sh- model that. And he talked about parents modeling that resiliency for their, parent, uh, for their kids. So I thought that was really good and having positive self-talk. That was a really good point yeah. that he made. Also really love the point he made about age appropriateness.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And how when kids are so young, you know, it's kind of a fine line because you know, you want your kids to achieve and do great things, but at the same time you don't want to push them and have them doing things that they are just not interested in or not gifted in, mm-hmm. you know? And so I thought that was a really interesting point for parents to reflect on, you know. Yeah. What what are my kids' interests? And you know, I just wanted to say that we went to a conference recently and actually one of my coworkers, Mikey, picked this one session that we went to that I thought about halfway through, this was like the worst session that she could mm-hmm. <laughs> have ever picked for us to go to, but it ended up actually being the session that I took away the most from, and it was a gentleman talking about giftedness and how a lot of times our kids are gifted and we're all gifted with things, right? God gives us all kinds of gifts, but a lot of times we don't know what our gifts are because just like our face, we can't see our faces, we, it takes a mirror, also often it takes other people to show us and tell us and acknowledge mm-hmm. what our gifts are. And I just thought that kind of tied in to what they were talking about. We have to be intentional about telling our kids, showing our kids and others around us what their gifts are. And when we do that, our kids can use those gifts and they can also help them to be resilient. Because when the difficult times comes, you want to be able to fall on your strengths and really play up on the things that you do well. And so... I thought, you know, let's yeah. let's show and acknowledge and be intentional about telling our kids what their gifts are. Mm-hmm.
0: Travis made several really good points about um, the positive talk and, and how the, I loved how he snuck in metacognition into a family. Big word. Yeah, fam lab mm-hmm. podcast, uh, thinking about thinking and, um, you know, how we respond or a student might respond, oh, I'm stupid because I failed the math test like you mm-hmm. just heard in the conversation. But um you know, and how that sort of thinking can really shape a person. It's up to us, Rosalind, to be uh, the mirror and show them their giftedness mm-hmm. and say, hey, maybe that's not a, a strength. Yeah, you still have to work hard and, and do well in that area, but, um, you know, that's okay if that's not where you're going to shine. You know, um, there, there's plenty of areas where we can work even harder and do this, this, and this, and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, that was probably my biggest takeaway. Uh, and I loved the whole conversation, but in the first... Uh, a couple of minutes. That resiliency is a skill, and the skill is teachable or coachable. Uh, and kind of tying that into the age-appropriate piece, you know, we—you're not trying to teach middle school basketball players how to dunk. You're not trying to teach, uh, you know, middle school band students how to uh, perform at a certain level, right? Um, you know, yes, you, you're trying to get the the certain uh, you know, things down, the certain, uh, fundamentals, these foundational pieces down. And so being age appropriate and teaching our resiliency, uh, you know, the, the crying it out method, you know, mm-hmm. is not something that this, you know, eight year old is, Hey, you know, we just gotta be tough. We gotta, you know, really make sure, you know, you can have conversations as they get older and the conversation changes. And so being age appropriate and teaching resiliency Uh, so important and I think you do start young but it changes and it looks different Uh, and that's one question I do want to come back to not right now, something for you to think about Mm -hmm. Um, something that I want to come back to is just asking you guys as parents with kids all different ages from infant with Kyle all the way to college student, uh, how have you guys taught your students, your children resiliency um, and just what are some practical things that you think looking back, hey I think I've this is how we taught it at different ages or things like that. Uh, so we'll come back to it. Mm-hmm. But that's
5: my question. That's a good question. I have things to th- to definitely uh, on that topic to answer that question. But his definition, Travis McNeil's definition of uh, what resiliency looks like is something that I wrote down just to remember. And it's probably uh, similar to a textbook definition, but he is a professor, so he knows uh, all that type of stuff. But it, the definition, again, he gave was, that uh, resiliency is to be able to bounce back in the face of or after adversity. Um, and so our kids go through a lot of difficult things all the time, whether it is, again, failing a math test or literally falling down and uh, getting hurt on the ground. Um, they're having difficulty with their relationships with their friends. Maybe they're trying to figure out what they're good at, um, and they try out a sport and they're terrible. Um, there's a lot of difficult things they go through. And I think that just shows that li- life is full of failures, and how we, re- we react to those things um, is is important. And as parents, I feel like we, we we have been hitting on this this topic or this this subject of as parents, we have to be the example to our kids, whether it is in spiritual formation or re- resiliency or any other things that we've talked about. That's one thing I keep going back to, and that. We have to, to show them, and, and he, Travis was talking uh, there at the end of, of guiding them. That means you have to have gone down the path yourself as a parent. And if you haven't yet, think back and, and see how you have handled adversity, how you've handled failure, um, and don't beat yourself up if you haven't handled it, you think, in, in the right way, but learn from that. I mean, as adults, that's, we have the ability to do that where children, everything is a big deal everything is a big deal if they if they um if they fail at something life is over um, and we as parents have to be the calm guiding voice and say hey this may be difficult what you're going through is hard and we need to help them guide them and, and help them um, through whatever whatever they're going through um, he also talked about this uh, instant gratification and uh, we live in a society full of that And I think that definitely plays a part into um, not being able to deal with, with failure and being uh, resilient. Um, I think that was a good point that he made definitely. And that, I mean, everything is, is instant. Um, And how do we deal with that? So,
0: well, we're, we live in a a culture or society, whatever you want to call it. That's really quick to say yes. And that is one of the biggest things. And I think this goes with several of your points, Kyle, like, when we've commented on this before, and you can tell when a, a, a student has not been told no before. And one of the, I think, uh, kind of leading into my question here, one of the the best ways to build resiliency is to tell your child no, uh, to practice saying no. It could be no for a thousand different reasons, whether it's something that they want to do, something that um, they <coughs> want, uh, a, a thing, uh, an experience that they want to have that... Um, you know, looking back on your experiences, hey, mom, dad, I want to quit. Well, no, you don't get to quit this time. We've already started. We've already made it this far. You know, whatever it is, you, you're looking back and you're learning from your experiences. You're learning how you handled it. Um, you know, I, I know my parents let me quit a sport like late into a season and that sort of thing. Um, and... I think it was great. I don't regret it at all. You know, and I learned so much from it and I think my parents learned from it, but you know, looking back and learning, okay, there were times that yes was appropriate and there are so many times where no is appropriate. And so one of my biggest takeaways from that conversation and something that I keep, uh, you know, keeps coming up in in our ministry, but also in how we deal with students and all this is that no builds resiliency. Um, so other than saying no, cause I know that you guys as parents have said no to your children before, but, Definitely. How have you guys taught uh, resiliency to your kiddos?
4: Okay, so this is <clears throat> a big one for me. Teaching your kids not to compare their journeys with other people's journeys. That's great. Right? So whatever they choose to do, it could look different than what someone else, if someone else chooses to do the same thing. So you're not always going to get the same reward it could the reward is going to look different for everyone and so they need to remember that this is their specific journey and as parents we can't be comparing our kids to other kids Mm -hmm. you know because they're very cognizant of that too Mm -hmm. you know when you know if we want our kids to do great academically and we start saying oh well johnny you know because he did this he was able to achieve this Mm -hmm. no cannot do that we Our kids have their own journey, and we need to take it and learn from it and reap the rewards that God has in store for us with the journey that we're on. So that's my… That's great.
5: Specificity
0: is important, right? That's what Travis was
5: saying. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have a nine-year-old, a three-year-old, and a four-month-old, and (laughs) with uh, the four-month-old, her resiliency Um, is having to cry it out possibly uh, during the night that she's not going to always get the bottle exactly when she wants it. Um, And, you know, you have to teach her that because otherwise you will go crazy as a parent. Um, But uh, the three-year-old and nine-year-old, one thing that that I remind them is what do we do when we fall down? I say we get back up. And I have them tell me that. What do we do when we fall down? We get back up. And it may be you fall down literally, and you scrape your knee. You get back up. Or if you didn't do well on something, you get back up. Uh-huh. And they understand, I think, um, in that you you have to be resilient. You, you get back up. You you don't let failure be the end result. Huh. You know, you learn from That's it. Great. You do better. You um, make sure that you, uh, if you're in that situation again, all right, this is what happened last time. How can I? Uh, make some changes so that doesn't happen again. Um, So that's just something that I I share with them and and, you know with their uh, unrealistic beliefs that uh, Travis was talking about, uh, again that life is over, if something doesn't go their way that's just another reminder for them to hey this was a failure, whether it was my fault or somebody else's, let's move on let's be better the next time so
0: That's great, man. Thanks for sharing that. Rosalind, closing thoughts?
4: Yeah, I think that basically what I took away, what it sounds like you guys have taken away from this excellent conversation we had with Dr. McNeil and others is that at the end of the day, we want our kids basically to do four things. Identify their interests and their strengths. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Two, to recognize that frustration, confusion, confusion, repetition, or practicing is just par for the course when it comes to, you know, getting through something and working toward a goal. Three, that risk taking is often necessary. We have to put ourselves out there. We have to get out of our comfort zone. And four, what you just said, Kyle, and that's to know that failure is not the end, right? We hear a ton of stories about people that fail and fail over again and ultimately they end up with success and and we are going to have success in one way or another because as we said earlier uh we all get something out of the journey that looks different right mm-hmm. and so you know failure is just part of what we endure
0: yeah so. great synopsis Rosalind. i appreciate that i appreciate both of you joining us in the fam lab and your thoughts as well thank you for listening uh, at home or in your car or on your phone, wherever you're listening to the fam lab, we really appreciate it. Uh, I also r- realized about, I don't know, halfway through that it was probably very confusing that I said, hey, we talked to Travis McNeil and then Travis is behind the computer. And so let's clarify here at the end, if you've made it all <laughs> the way through the podcast, we talked to a professor at Harding named Travis McNeil. That's whose conversation you heard. And you're listening or well, Travis Polly. Is running stuff on the fam lab P A U L E Y Travis Paul Lee behind the computer? We appreciate him. Rate, review, and subscribe to the fam lab. Share on social media, we really appreciate it. Uh, we are getting a nice steady uptick in all of the views, and so we appreciate. Uh, by views, I mean listens. And I appreciate you guys listening, uh, but continue to share that. And you can always reach out to us with questions or ideas for episodes or guests or whatever you're thinking at HelloFamLab at gmail.com. Again, email us, reach out to us, let us know what you're thinking. HelloFamLab at gmail.com. See ya.